welcome to another episode of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, a Tuesday edition. It was the Browns' fourth straight practice out at the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia. Wednesday will be an off day. So to recap the latest from down in West Virginia, I'm Ashley Bastock here with Mary Kay Cabot and Dan Lobby. Um, We're going to kind of go through this stuff very efficiently, I'll say, because Dan has to get on the road for the off day to come back home. Uh, But let's start with Miles Garrett, because we heard from him for the first time today. Um, And Mary Kay, I thought this was interesting because you and I, you know, obviously off mic sort of talked about a little bit about Malik Jackson's comments uh, a couple weeks ago when he made them on NFL Network on Good Morning Football uh, about Miles Garrett's leadership that kind of pointed to maybe some light criticism of how Miles was in meeting rooms. So this was Miles's first chance to kind of respond to that. So what did you make of, of his answers today? Well, you know, everybody's human. And I would have to think that that he was bothered by that because he said he really has the utmost respect for Malik Jackson. And I'm sure on some level, uh, those words had to uh, you know, to cut a little bit and to be somewhat hurtful. Uh, but, you know, he, he said he everyone is entitled to their opinion. Miles said all the right things. And then he tried to explain that, you know, leadership styles are different and then per, that perhaps Malik Jackson's style just didn't mesh with Miles's style and that he may, might not have just really understood uh, where Miles was going with how he handled things and how he did things. And so... Uh, I thought Miles handled it really, really well today. I thought he was thoughtful. I thought he was introspective about it. And I thought he answered it the right way. Dan, I know we've talked a lot about this before, and I think actually you were the one who pointed some of this out to me in terms of like the evolution of Miles as as a leader or a presence, even if you want to call it that. Because all I've known from a reporter perspective of covering this team is open locker rooms last year, because that's when they opened back up post-COVID. And Miles was always just kind of like around and seeming really accessible. He's talking to teammates. You can kind of find him in there. But you kind of told me that wasn't always the case with him in the earlier parts of his career. So at least in that way, it seems like he's evolved a little bit. He kind of alluded to that, I thought. Yeah, he was, and again, this is just during the time that we were in the locker room. So sometimes these guys are just hiding specifically from us, you know, but um, he he wouldn't be in there. You wouldn't see him a lot. If he did come in there, it was really kind of in and out. And last year it was different. Like he would sit at his locker and chill out and he'd play that game with his teammates, the little hand game or whatever it is they play that none of us still understand. But... It's knockout. I understand it. Oh, you, okay. they move their, well, they move their yeah, they move their hands one way and you have to look not the way they move their hands. So like if I move my mm-hmm. hand up, you have to look down to the left or to the right. Those are okay. all the other directions. That's a, a right. primer. <laughs> well, there we go. An, an explanation of this game. I still don't understand it, but okay. <laughs> I've seen it in action. I still don't get it. But yeah, he was in there. He was more, he, he was always easier with us. You could sit and talk to him or uh, even go up and ask him some questions if, if you needed something from him. So, so that certainly changed. And, you know, I think he's evolved a little bit too, just as far as keeping to himself, right? Like, you know, he, he doesn't live like near the facility or, you know, like downtown or anything like that. He is kind of away from everything. So um, I, I think just he's, he's gotten more comfortable with his teammates and being around them. And I don't think Miles is ever going to be like that raw, raw Jarvis Landry leader. That's just not who he is. And you can't, you can't fake being that guy, but I think he has grown in a lot of ways and, and been a guy that has taken on a little bit more of that teaching role with young guys like Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas and, um, you know, trying to do more of that. But I was also thinking, Ashley, 
you know, the Malik Jackson thing, and, and I think you're right, Mary-Kate, it has to affect you when a guy that was in that room with you specifically questions you. The Malik Jackson thing is so interesting because obviously we remember what happened after the New England game in 2021, and Malik Jackson was yeah. Joe Woods was kind of here because of Joe Woods, and, you know, he, he sort of stuck up for Joe the week after Miles called Joe out after that New England game. So I think there's, I think there's more to this than just – you know, Malik saying Miles needs to be a bigger leader. I, I just, you know, guys say things on TV sometimes. Maybe they don't know they're going to get pulled out and made into headlines if it turns into something like this. But um, I thought Miles handled it well today and, and said what he needed to say and moved on. I think so too. It's funny you say that, Dan, because that was my like first thought when I saw this clip kind of circulating. And, and I'm always wary like when we see sound bites like this because of, like you said, especially when it's like a former player who's just getting into broadcasting or just like appearing on a show. Um, I think it's a little different than somebody who's like a talking head and, and there to deliver hot takes. But my first thought was when he was kind of like disgruntled over how Miles handled the Joe Woods thing after New England. But uh, Mary Kay, I think like it's interesting with Miles because like for me, I still like even though he might never be that vocal leader and I understand that and I like accept that from seeing him in action. I think you can lead in other ways totally. I still think like I do it and I think it's fair to hold him to a higher standard in terms of what makes a good leader number one because of his role on the team number two because of like his years here in cleveland but like number three i think from what we saw last year with the flipping the car obviously and and getting in that single car accident and just how it impacted him and just kind of like hey like you, you kind of have to take the next step here as you mature and not be doing things like that yeah, that, that's true. I mean, in order to be a really good leader and in order to have all the young guys looking up to you, you have to make sure that uh, you're doing things right off the field. And, uh, you know, and we know that he that Miles had the need for speed and he loved to drive nice cars and fast cars. And that doesn't really align with being a team leader when you're getting stopped by the police and you're flipping your car and stuff like that. So he hasn't been perfect and he recognizes and he understands that. Uh, so that, that kind of stuff, uh, he's got to do better in that regard. He knows it. He's talked about that. Um, but the turning point that I saw in Miles Garrett in, in terms of his leadership was after the helmet incident when, uh, you know, we all know about the helmet incident with Mason Rudolph in 2019 that led to his six-game suspension. And he discovered then that his teammates really had his back. And, um, you know, they closed ranks and they, you know, they really pulled together uh, with him through that thing, that situation. And, um, and I think that I watched him. I just, I could see him do this. He started to spend more time with his teammates. He was humbled. He was grateful. Uh, he understood his place on the team better. And, um, you know, so there was that, um, you know, that was a turning point. I think the car uh, flipping was another turning point for Miles Garrett. So he's not grown just in terms of leadership, but in terms of everything, maturity in and of itself. I've seen him, uh, you know, really evolve in that way. So along with that comes, you know, more responsibility and, and doing things a little bit differently. And I think we'll continue to see that with Miles. I thought it was interesting too, Dan. I know you posted those couple of clips yesterday, I think it was. I'm, I'm really losing track of the days here. And again, I cannot stress this enough. I'm still in Cleveland. I'm not even in West Virginia yet. 
But you posted one clip of him kind of working off to the side with Alex Wright. Another clip of him working off to the side with Isaiah Thomas. I think I actually wrote in today's newsletter for our Football Insider subscribers that watching Miles in those moments to me, I think is where I, I'm most intrigued because I think in those moments you can kind of gauge something like this and, and leadership ability within a particular group even. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because I hadn't actually seen the Malik Jackson comments and I don't know, I don't know how I missed them, but I hadn't seen them. And I know how you missed them. You were on vacation. Okay, and you unplugged. Yeah. Mary Kay was also on vacation, but I bugged her with this video. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you were you were unplugged. So I post that video, and it's like it's gotten it's gone crazy on Twitter. Like at least relative to what my videos usually do, and like people are commenting and quote tweeting with all this start these snarky leadership comments i'm like okay what did i miss and finally i I got caught up to it i'm like okay now i now i see what people are getting at but yeah i think that's that's important and um you know it's meaningful for a guy like alex Wright and a guy like isaiah thomas because you know these are young guys and they know who miles garrett is you know a little plug for our orange and brown talk instagram account Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, saw something I put up of, of Miles working with him and he responded to it in his story, Best in the Business, right? Like, that's how they view this guy and learning from him is important to them. And him taking guys under his wing is, is a really important step for him as he gets older and he becomes he becomes the Malik Jackson in that room. And he becomes the guy that, that the young guys are going to look to and that he's got to guide and lead. So, um, you know, some of it is just, oh, hey, it's a cool training camp video. Other part of it, too, is this is stuff he needs to do and, and kind of take on the challenge of teaching these young guys and, and, and guiding them. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what Greg Newsom had to say as he came to the podium today. Uh, we'll also get into what Dana Mary Kay saw on the field as the Browns continued their ramp up. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Ashley Bastock here with Mary Kay Cabot and Dan Lobby. Um, so let's move from our Miles Garrett discussion into Greg Newsom, which Mary Kay, this is the first time he got to talk about deciding to change his number to zero. First Browns player ever to wear zero. Um, and he made some, of course, he's Greg. He, he had some good quotes to go along with it, I thought. Yeah, he did a really nice job today uh, in his interview. He was uh, he was very, very upbeat. And, you know, the takeaway is that, you know, he did change to zero because, you know, he he did want a fresh start. He did want something new and different for 2023. He had a very turbulent offseason. It included a rumor that he asked to be traded. It included him balking on social media about playing inside in the slot again, which we, of course, have seen him do plenty of times already in this camp. And, um, and you know, then there were other things, too, like the, um, you know, the fact that his car was stolen and, you know, his friend Perion is now gone. And, um, and then the whole Northwestern hazing situation. So he just has been in the news a lot and in the headlines. And I do think that, uh, you know, that he wants to kind of put a lot of this behind him and move forward and get focused. And as a lot of these guys say, keep the main thing, the main thing. And, and I think that now you're, you're going to probably see a little bit more of that in Greg. 
and Dan, you kind of you made that point. I thought in your story about this, like really nicely. That you know, of course, these things aren't all Greg Newsom's fault, right? Like his car getting stolen uh, is not his fault. But when you kind of have a bunch of off-season headlines pile up, like they they do just that, they kind of start to pile up. Yeah, that's sort of how I viewed it. Like you, you like you said, it's not his fault that that happened. And and honestly, like he's allowed to go on Twitter and share his opinion on things and respond to people. Now, I'm a pretty firm believer that sometimes these guys could learn a lesson like, hey, just put your phone down. You know, just just don't. Just put your phone down. But if that's not how they want to do it, then they don't have to do it like that. But it is just this compilation of things that just pile up that are non-football stories. And then you you add to the fact that he was just not clearly un, clearly unhappy last year with his role and, and that defense. And now he seems more content and more accepting of being, you know, a versatile player. And he mentioned today that there are other guys that have had success playing inside and out, Jalen Ramsey, Marlon Humphrey. And I'm sure that those names came up when he had discussions with Jim Schwartz or Brandon Lynch or, you know, whoever it was that, that kind of laid out what his role was going to look like. And I still wonder if part of those discussions were like, we like Denzel, we like Martin Emerson, we like you, we want all of you to play. And if that's going to happen, one of you has to be inside. And Greg, you're the best, you're the guy who's best suited to be in there. And and I think you have to just come to that reality too, if you're Greg Newsom. So I, I thought he, I thought he did a really nice job of sort of laying out how he views what a fresh start looks like. And, and also being a lot more accepting of the idea that he's just going to have to play inside if he wants to get on the field. And Mary Kay, it seems like from what you guys have seen out practice that like he's played inside, but he's moving around, that they're all still kind of moving around. Is that kind of like a fair assessment? Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to tell exactly what's going to happen on a week to week basis or even maybe sometimes on a series to series basis. Uh, but it, it does seem like there will be opportunities for him to play inside opportunities for him to play outside. They're going to be very multiple. They're going to be very versatile. They will do so many different things. So I think uh, Jim Schwartz has done a good job of getting Greg Newsom excited about his role. If you remember, Jim Schwartz, when he first spoke to us, he said, I'm going to make sure that my best players are my best leaders. Well, how do you do that? You have to keep those guys happy. You have to keep your leaders very happy on the football field in order for them uh, to want to go out and run through a wall for you and be a leader of men and help their teammates. And so I think he's going to work very, very hard to make sure that Greg has things to do that he feels really good about. But if that involves playing in the slot most of the time, then Greg's going to have to play in the slot most of the time. So we're, we're just going to have to see how that all shakes out. Um, you know, again, we've seen uh, a number of different kinds of formations and, um, and I'm sure we'll see more. Ashley, when you get here, you're going to be watching the practices on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And those are going to be significant, significant practices because two of those practices are going to be in pads for the first time on Friday and Saturday. So we're going to have a better idea of who's working where and how the, you know, rotation is going and things like that. But I, I think Greg is embracing it. I think he's embracing being in Cleveland. I think he understands this is the place for him to be. And, uh, and and I think it's going to work out fine. All right. I have one more Greg point to make, Dan, before we kind of transition into what more of what you guys have seen um, on the field in these practices and stuff. But I thought it was interesting, too, today, 
to kind of learn because we when we always talk about Greg Newsom, we talk about the fact that he doesn't have an interception yet. And somebody asked Kevin Stefanski about it today, and I thought he gave an interesting answer, kind of equating how they view interceptions to almost how they view sacks. And and we have spent a lot of time talking about that over the last couple of years. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that, that was an interesting way that, that Kevin described that. And it, there is some truth to that, right? Like even the best corners in the league, they, they're, they don't have years every year where they get a bunch of interceptions. Sometimes it just doesn't go their way. They, or maybe they drop one or two of them and the, or the ball doesn't come their way. Now, should he have more than zero interceptions at this point in his career? Yeah, he probably should. And he dropped like he dropped one in Houston last year that, that he should have had. So, you know, I, I do think it is. I do think it says something that he doesn't have one at this point. And if you're a DB, you do have to start getting them. But also, I, I think it was a good point to make that it can be a little bit of a fickle statistic, and it's not the end all, be all for a defensive back. So, yeah, I, I did think it was interesting how Kevin decided to sort of you know, link that up with pressures versus sacks and sort of how they judge some of those things. All right, let's kind of move into for our last topic, just what you guys have seen on the field and how it seems like today the ramp up continued, Mary Kay, that they were doing a bit more like offense versus defense kind of stuff. Yeah, they had a little bit more offense versus defense, a little bit more 11 on 11s, and they went a little bit more full speed. I mean, it was pretty intense uh, when they did do their 11 on 11 drills. And it did look like uh, at times, I mean, we also watched a seven on seven goal line drill and it looks, it looked to me and I'm sure to Dan too and everybody else uh, that the defense was a little bit ahead, but you know, you have to take those things with a little bit of a grain of salt at this point because that can change from day to day. And also, you know, they don't have Amari out there. They don't have, you know, some of their, uh, you know, some of their receivers are, are not practicing. They don't have a full complement. They're not game planning anything. They're not, you know, they're not doing things like that to make sure that, you know, they've got special plays down in there or whatever right now. They're just repping it. They're just repping it. And sometimes um, one side of the ball or the other can, you know, can look a little bit ahead. And then I've seen that change drastically from day to day. Um, but to see real football, you know, I mean, we're starting to get an idea of, you know, what this is going to look like. And it looks to me uh, like there is, you know, what we thought there was going to be a lot of talent on both sides of the ball and a lot of big plays being made. Uh, you know, a lot of passes being going to be broken up by the defensive backs, uh, a lot of pressure that's going to be made up front. And then, you know, a lot of nice catches. I mean, you're going to have Elijah Moore has been an amazing standout in this first part of camp. And I, I think we're going to continue uh, to see that Greg Newsom had some words of praise for him today. Um, and, you know, I think that he really seems to be a tremendous fit in this offense. Yeah, Dan, as they've kind of started to pick up the speed, especially today, I guess what has stood out for you, either broadly or from an individual player's standpoint, anything really, I guess? I think the passing game actually looks really good. And now in the red zone today, the defense won when they did the, they were at the five-yard line and they were doing seven-on-seven. Seven. And the defense won that period. Although, again, here's some more, you know, cheap promotion. If you go to the Orange and Brown Talk Instagram feed or you go to the Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com YouTube channel and look at our shorts, you, you can see a highlight of a Donovan Peoples-Jones route where he crossed up Greg Newsom, And it was probably the best play in, in that red zone period for the offense. Just a little promotion there. But anyway, uh, you know, it was very situational today. They did some, some sudden change stuff where they would send out the first team and they'd run a play. 
and then they'd run them off, and then the second team had to run on, and they, and they'd do kind of a sudden change play. They did some some third and short stuff, and the offense looked pretty good in the third and short drill. That was eleven on eleven. So um, while I think the defense had the better day today, I do think there were some bright spots for the offense. It just ended with the defense really dominating in that red zone period, which I think is good to see because I think the offense is going to be fine. Yeah. I want to see how the defense responds. I want to see how the defense plays. Yeah. And it seemed like in, in OTAs at minicamp, like the offense was what everyone was talking about and, and getting behind the defense so easily. So I think it's good to kind of come back this first week of training camp and, and see those guys step up and man dance. Not joking. I just went to the orange and Brown talk Instagram and watched the story. It's the second story on there. Uh, currently as we're recording this at five o'clock on Tuesday of Donovan crossing up uh, Greg Newsom. It looks like a basketball crossover move, man. I mean, that's just filthy, filthy. I loved it. Yeah, it was a good rap. And I, and I didn't put it on Twitter. I just kind of felt, I didn't want people to like start tagging Greg and ripping on him because Greg yeah. actually made a couple plays right before that that were really good against Cedric Tillman. So I didn't sure. want it to turn into like, oh, great, you know, but. Yeah, on, on Instagram, yes. I was all right with it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we have to weigh those things, especially on Twitter where the conversation can get a little bit toxic. Um, all right, we're going to head out, uh, close out the first half of the Browns-Greenbrier trip. Um, so be sure to head over to cleveland.com slash Browns. Check out all of our coverage from the Greenbrier over there. If you click the blue banner on the top of the page, um, that's how you become a Football Insider subscriber. I alluded to one of the newsletters that we do every day. Dan and Mary Kay have been sending texts from the Greenbrier uh, a couple days. Mary Kay and I will be sending texts from the Greenbrier once I make my way down there on Wednesday. Um, and like Dan said, he already plugged the Orange and Brown Talk Instagram, the YouTube page. That's Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. Uh, check out all the stand-ups, the highlights, the shorts now, uh, everything over there. So, Dan, safe travels back to Ohio, and Mary Kay, I'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. Looking forward to it, Ashley.